Social media is on fire in the Pac-12 right now. You got Mike Leach trying to ban his whole team from social media. Does this even make sense? You have two former NFL great sons going at it. Pac-12 recruits, I love it. And shouldn't the Washington versus Oregon game, the most bitter rivalry in the Pac-12, shouldn't it have a name? And of course, we're going to break down all the games for week eight. I'm George Reister with Ralph Amston, and this is the Pac-12 Apostles. Ralph, social media is on fire this week in the Pac-12. I love it. You got recruits going at it. But first, let's start with your boy, Mike Leach. I feel like you, like, some kind of way voodooed or drummed this up because you were just talking about how Mike Leach is just tweeting away about everything except for football, tweeting about California's uh, homeless problem, the beaches, all of this, and now he wants to ban his team from social media, his fat, dumb, what what, what all did, did he call them fat, dumb, lazy, entitled team? <laughs> Oh man, I can't, I just, I got a laugh out of this, but then I, it, it makes you worry a little bit. So Mike Leach is 0-3 in the Pac-12. Um, this is a dude who does not like to lose. He doesn't really have to worry about it very often. Like he pointed out at Pac-12 Media Day, I think over the last four years, they have more wins. Uh, I think it might've been more wins in the Pac-12 than any other team. And as it stands right now, you know, they're, they're, they are winless. Um, and, uh, you know, he came out and he blamed his uh, his team's attitude level. And I'm sure there was some blame flowing toward the defensive coordinator as well. And then this week, the third thing, uh, the third shoe for people with three feet, the third shoe drops and says, you know, he says that it's social media that we're out there, that we're distracted by all those things that are out there. Um, the truth is nobody at Washington State, not a single player on that team, and I follow a lot of them, tweets near the amount of volume uh, as as Mike Leach. And, and he can ban them from tweeting, but he can't ban them from being on social media and reading their press clippings and everything like that. Uh, but the one who... <laughs> And, and exactly. DMs, sending direct yeah, messages, so, all of that. Um, you know, I cover high school football down here in Arizona, and there's a couple of coaches who have this policy. And while I don't agree with it, the coaches actually allow the kids to retweet. So you're not allowed to tweet, but you can retweet. So, like, um, it, some of them – yeah, yeah, yeah. What? So you can't um, – it, it's almost like the same as the, the coach's recruiting policy. Like, you can like and retweet, but you can't reply. To recruits, um, so they allow their teams to like uh, articles about, like if they they're mentioned an article, to retweet that article if they're mentioned an article, but they can't reply to anybody. Um, and then, so I noticed that the kids on those teams they send a whole lot of DMs. So you know, uh, telling his team that they can't you know be on social media or whatever or posting, um, when, when the truth is the person who posted more than anybody else. The person who was like scouring the bowels of the internet for the dankest memes <laughs> was Mike Leach himself. The one who like couldn't stop himself from repeatedly tweeting about California's homeless population and their problems with like garbage on the streets and stuff. The one who couldn't stop himself from retweeting everybody who said like Texas Tech needs to pay Mike Leach. Like 
this is the one who is the most distracted by social media. And I just, I absolutely love the way he comes out and says, like, somebody needs to, you know, like, he, he, his problem, he made everybody's problem just so that he could justify, you know, not tweeting himself. And I think it's actually been about eight, nine days since I've, I've seen anything come from his Twitter account. Um, and I know that he actually also, maybe he's trying to eliminate all distractions because I know that he had an appointment actually uh, to, to speak with some of my, my podcasting friends down here who run an ASU podcast, you know, for a, a preview show. And he no-showed on that too. So, um, you know, it's very, very possible they're all just locked in the war room talking about how they can make this uh, air raid even air raidier. Um, but the truth is, you know, they, they got some issues on defense. They, they just need to get figured out. And I'm not sure that Twitter's the issue. It, it's not. It's it's insane to me. It is insane to me that, like, the perceived correlation between social media and wins and losses is craziness to me. Like, and the truth is, these kids aren't getting off of social media. Like, they'll, they, they will still tweet. They'll use burner accounts. And then how counterproductive is it for any coach to tell his team to get off of social media when you want them to recruit, when you want them to to, uh, be talking to recruits, DMing them, you want them to be uh, retweeting their offers and, and all of that. What kind of sense does that make? I mean, it's like the, it's like cutting off your, I mean, it's like cutting off your, finger and 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 then trying trying to eat it's crazy i like uh social media is almost the lifeblood of recruiting right now we just had woody womack on the last podcast download it he talks a lot about recruiting very good um about old coaches not being able to recruit because they don't have the you know the the young man's tactics of social media and like how I don't know. It just feels like cutting off your nose to spite your face to me. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he. It's just it's a really weird way to go about it. And and then you got people tweeting about him, and he can't reply. Like G. Scott, who's a coach out in uh, Washington, and his son is one of the top ranked receivers in the whole country. He's committed to to University of Washington. He tweeted, "I'm looking forward to seeing what Mike Leach has to say about his players now after losing three in a row." I was at the ASU Washington State game and I had tweeted like, hey, quote this tweet with what Mike Leach is going to call his players, you know, after the game. And so he's taken a little bit of a beating and he's sort of on his self-imposed thing of where he can't reply um, to any of this stuff. And you know that he's a guy, he's got like, he's got that like Trumpian philosophy of like hit back against everybody. I know he had that, you know, he's got the online feud with Dan Wolken and I think maybe a few other uh, r- reporters. Um but yeah, I, I just, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it, it, he's the one at Pac-12 Media Day who said, you know, nobody's talking about us. Um, you know, and he's, he's referring to social media and media buzz and everything like that. And then, you know, you, you, you impose these bans um, and it all just sort of goes hand in hand. Like you want yeah. people to talk about you, you want that buzz, but then, but then you, you know, don't it's not talk. working out yeah, and then you say, "Oh, it's the buzz that's distracting us." Um, yeah. 
he he's out there, man. I I, I don't know. I, I don't think that banning anybody from anything or grounding, you know, the kids does anything to really prepare them um, for real life. But I think, I, I don't know. I think it's just like, it's an all hands on deck type thing um, to try to improve. And, and, you know, they very well might, <laughs> this is still, this might work for him, George. Like, no, he is Ralph. a very good coach and it's possible that he, he's projecting like he's, yeah. it, it's very possible that he's the one that's distracted he has proven time and time again that he's a very good football coach. So maybe he's just projecting onto his players what his current struggle is. Okay. So, yeah, maybe there's some truth to that. But in reality, though, it is craziness to think that that social media is going to do more harm than it is good when you're a college coach, A, and you have to recruit. That's the first thing. And the second thing about it is, is like this is the kind of thing that Mike Leach does. He was blaming his players. He wants to put the blame on everybody except for Mike Leach. And truth be told, we both believe he believe he's a really good coach. But there's a reason why such a really good coach, a guy who got offered the Alabama job at one point in time, is coaching in Washington State. I mean, and, and Washington State's footprint. In the in the social media game, in uh, I mean, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, Reddit groups, I'm sorry, subreddits, Facebook groups, Washington State is not represented really. Like, I mean, like if you try to find a Washington State Cougars Facebook group, you're gonna have like next to nothing. Try to try to find a Washington one. You got like six of them. Try try to find an Oregon. There's like ten of them. I mean, it's just like you, like these schools have to try to build a following uh, because I was talking about the, which we're going to talk about in a second, the Oregon-Washington game. I said, oh, somebody, I was like, the, the, the game needs a name. I'm surprised it doesn't have one. And people were saying, oh, well, it just, it's, it's the, that they should call it, a couple people, a couple haters said, oh, that they should call it the, Oh, all the fans aren't alumni bowl. And I was like, that's actually the goal in college football. That you have fans that aren't just alumni. Because if you right. if you're only dependent on alumni to be your fans, your fan bases are gonna be extremely small, especially when you're a school like Washington State. And that I mean, I I it just his personality gets in the way a lot of the time. I think uh, Connor Halliday, their old quarterback, was on a uh, was on a podcast this last week, um, the Wazoo Football Blog or something like that, and uh, and said that uh, one of their best receivers, Tay Martin, has spent the whole season in the doghouse because him and Mike Leach got into it in spring camp, um, and that Calvin Jackson Jr. is playing ahead of him because of it, and that, so. He's got, you know, some better players that could be playing, but his personality's been sort of in the way. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm getting to the point where I know a lot of my media colleagues are just absolutely obsessed with Mike Leach because he makes their job more interesting. You know, I'm, I'm usually more – I love nonsense. I live for nonsense. But I also want to see people just, like, do their job well and be logical. So I spend a lot of time just frustrated with, uh, <laughs> with Mike Leach. And every time he does something stupid, he's from Wyoming just like me. He's like one of our most famous people and he makes us all look bad. 
Um, but I just, I, I, if I was 17 and the idiot version of me at 17 years old was being recruited by Washington state. And I knew that if I got there, I couldn't tweet. Oh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not going go. there. <laughs> I'm yeah. not going there. It's not, it's not happening. Like any time that you start trying to restrict people's freedoms, you, you, it doesn't go well. It does not like you have to teach young men to be responsible. You have to teach them and just keep just taking stuff away from them that they enjoy that they're going to use with their friends. I mean, how, how is he supposed to stop them from Snapchat? Like, like, okay. So here is what I found out. And I found it out, I guess, pretty quickly. Cause, cause my son was on Instagram. He's 13 years old. And, and uh, I didn't see anything on his story for a while. And he's, a, you know, a young kid. He would normally post like happy birthday to people and all of this stuff on his, on his story. He doesn't post a whole lot to his page, but to his story occasionally. I didn't see anything to his story for like a couple weeks. And so I decided, I was like, hold up, let me check this boy's phone. So I check his phone. I looked, he has basically the entire family blocked from seeing his story and i'm like hold on hold on padre hold on padre we need to see like like so we had to sit down and have a talk i was like why would you do this and i said look if you're gonna use social media like whatever you like here's a lesson for you whatever you put out there your mom dad everybody they need to be able to see because if they can't see it and that means that you're kind of hiding something and if that means that if you have to hide something from us, that means that it's not good enough to be on social media and it probably makes you look bad. And he was like, well, yeah. And I was like, remember, all this stuff follows you everywhere. So we've talked about that extensively. So, you know, like it. So all they're going to do is cause people to hide from them because because they can block people from the athletic department. They can block everybody from seeing it except the people that they want to see it. So. This is a horrible idea by Mike Mike Leach. I think it's going to bite him in the ass in recruiting. He's alienating his own team. And this is the kind of thing that is the beginning of the end. And I, I've had coaches, well, in the, in, in the NFL. I played for a guy, Jack, Jack Del Rio, who, was, who would switch up a lot. Like everything would be, if, if you're winning, we're getting ping pong tables in the locker room. They're p installing new stuff in the lockers. Then we have a losing season or not quite winning as much. He starts snatching stuff out of the lockers during the season. You're like, what are you doing? Like if, if these things are okay in winning, they have to be okay in losing as well. We just have to get focused on the, the details and maybe you need to do a better job. Yeah, and I mean, and, and what's funny is <clears throat> people don't change, right? So you can you can take social media away from them, but you he set the tone for what his press conferences are going to look like. And already this week, he's talked about how he wants to see more gorillas and sharks as mascots in college football. He's already talked about how to survive uh, time around your in-laws. So, like, it's already, like... It, it, they might not be on Twitter, but nothing else has really changed out there. Like the media still shows up, uh, you know, wanting to to derail him in any possible way um, so that they can get some other type of content to tweet out. 
Uh, he's going to be himself. The idea that if you just can't push send, which is a Herm Edwards saying, right? Don't push send. Um, the idea that if you just don't push send, that you're going to be more in tune with the playbook is an interesting one. And, uh, you know, I talk about what I would do if I was 17. And I, I you know, I found out if I went to a, a, a college football program, I couldn't tweet. I mean, I'm 35 and I still sometimes watch a movie on Netflix instead of going to the theater because I'll be able to tweet through it. So you never really know what motivates people in recruiting, but I, I think maybe this is just a triage situation and they're throwing whatever they can at the wall to see if it'll work. And the worst thing that could happen is if is for them to be able to justify a bad idea by if they beat Colorado and they'll be like, see, not tweeting helped us win. <laughs> and that's not, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Or, uh, or maybe because Colorado's defense is horrible and you have an offense that puts up 500 yards a game. Maybe, maybe that might be it. So here's that Dennis Dodd quote right here, just for, for, so we know Mike Leach is still being Mike Leach. Uh, Mike Leach on mascots. There should be more gorillas and sharks. Who wants to screw with a gorilla or a shark? You could have killer whales too, or you could go Sasquatch maybe. Bruh, stop it. I mean, I mean, the, the, uh, the act grows old at some point in point in time. And there's, there's a reason why he gets interviewed for the Tennessee job interview for other jobs. And he doesn't get them. I mean, it is, like it's probably part of the stuff where where his old quarter quarterback said he's not playing the the, the guy who's better because they got into it. Now I mean because players and coaches want to see the best players on the field, and if you're not doing that, then you actually create a situation where players don't feel like they can win and all of that. And you should have the best players on the field. When the best players are not on the field, it creates tension and turmoil in the locker room. Yeah, I hear, but speaking of here's a, one more here's a good tweet from mike duger the uh the writer for the athletic for the seattle seahawks he says uh they should have had the social media ban in place when mike leach decided to tweet a fake obama speech yeah exactly like come on bro like you are he's the person who doesn't fact check before he tweets right. and then like, you are a public figure you can't uh tweet fake news like you can't tweet something and be like oh oh yeah oh yeah uh i didn't uh yeah that turned out not to be true i thought it was true i saw it on the internet i read it on wikipedia so it must be true um but uh speaking of good players fighting so yesterday i was on twitter and i saw and popped up on my feed i saw stuff about chad johnson jr I know he's a recruit. I know he just committed to ASU, but people were like, oh my God, Chad Johnson Jr. is so savage, like something, something. And I'm like, okay. So I went to his page and the tweet that stuck out to me was, he said something like, um, when, when I come to town or something that, that I got other people running for the heels and I didn't know who he was talking about, but I clearly thought it was about another recruit or somebody on his team. I wasn't sure if it was like people he was playing against in high school or something. But then I see the kid Brandon Rice on there too. And I'm like, okay. I And then I saw that he committed to Colorado, but I didn't put all of two and two together with all this. And then Ralph was here to inform me this morning. Ralph, tell the people who these two people are. Okay, so <laughs> story time. Everybody get comfortable. 
Um, Brendan Rice is uh, a, about a six foot three, two hundred fifteen pound four star receiver out here at uh, Hamilton High School in Chandler, Arizona. Um, he is the biological son of the greatest receiver of all time, um, which I, 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 it's hard to get out of my mouth because I'm a Larry Fitzgerald fan, but the greatest receiver of all time, Jerry Rice, um, who they, until very recently, did not have a relationship. Uh, my job in the media down here um, for, for a, a long time has been yelling at other media folks who are obsessed with saying son of Jerry Rice. Uh, when the truth is the two of them don't really have any relationship at all. Chad Johnson Jr. is the biological son of Chad Ocho Cinco Johnson, um, who ha- grew up in California, um, has a relationship with his father, but not necessarily didn't grow up in his house. Um, they are both 2020 wide receivers. Chad Johnson Jr. committed to Arizona State about a year ago, uh, it's been about 50 weeks. So he's been committed to Arizona State for a very long time. Chad Johnson Jr. is one of the most visible recruits in the 2020 class because, and he would not fit on a, in on a Mike Leach team, he is always tweeting, nonstop, tweet, 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 tweet. He's tagging recruits every single day, saying, forks up, come to ASU. He jumps in the mix of whatever social media like fights are going on with like, emojis or eyeballs or whatever he is all over the place he's got a little bit of that chad johnson in him to where like he loves the 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 drama right um chad johnson jr very good football player like and and sky's the limit for him he's got a long way to go before he maxes out his potential he could end up being a pretty good receiver uh brendan rice it looks nothing like his dad physically he is a monster like he he uh, when he gets into a college weight training program, is going to be a absolute physical specimen, and he runs a ten five hundred. So he is big, he is fast, um, he's a super athlete. Uh, Michigan wanted him, Oregon wanted him, ASU and Colorado have all been battling for his services. Yesterday, Brendan Rice committed to the University of Colorado. ASU. But why, Ralph? Okay. Why? Out of all those schools, <laughs> right. why would he commit to Colorado? Right. So a- ASU thought that they had a pretty good shot at him. So did those other schools. I was even talking to Brendan at the ASU versus Washington State game on uh, on Saturday out there on the field. Um, Colorado floated to him. And, and, and this would kind of really appeal to somebody like him. Colorado pushed the entire time that if you come here – You'll be the cornerstone of our recruiting class, and you'll build your own legacy. And to somebody with the last name Rice, who didn't really have a relationship with Jerry Rice until very recently, something like that could be very, very attractive. Because Brendan Rice is a kid who is a very talented football player. He's a good kid. And in the back of his mind has always been like all of the weight and drama that comes with this last name. So when yeah. you have Colorado coming in the room and saying, like, build your own name, build your own legacy, do your own thing, you're your own man. And, they, and they're driving that home over and over and over again. And then, you know, he just goes out to the city of Boulder for a visit and it and enjoys it because who doesn't enjoy the city of Boulder? 
you know, and then you, there, there is all this pressure to stay home um, and, and play at ASU. He didn't necessarily really vibe with Antonio Pierce because Antonio Pierce is one of those guys uh, that has that California recruiting attitude. Like, hey, don't come out here unless you're going to commit. Like, only serious players only. Like, I don't yeah. want anybody who wavers, nobody who's soft. You know, that that's the type of thing that a California kid would be like, oh, I'm going to go play for this dude. He's just like me. Like he talks, you know, yeah. um, Brendan Rice is a, is a, is a suburban Arizona kid, uh, that, that, that said, I don't think that that was up his alley. So he loved the idea of playing for ASU, but it didn't, um, it, it didn't really fit with what he wants to do right now. Uh, so he, he committed to Colorado, um, which I think a lot of people will find really interesting. And immediately Chad Johnson Jr., who has already had a couple of very strange online interactions with Brendan Rice, uh, where Brendan Rice pointed out to him, like, at least you knew your dad, like super uncomfortable stuff, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. And so like, he, he just say, uh, like Chad Johnson Jr. one time was like, we could be big brother, little brother as part of this recruiting class. And Brendan Rice took offense to it. And he said, hey man, we are not the same. Like, it, Dude, so you, so like th this is some serious chip on your shoulder i'm eventually yeah, gonna need baggage, to go to therapy man. for this like thing like this right is there's i imagine 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 the weight of your last name like i have my dad's name you have your dad's name right yep yeah like and i'm you're the third i'm the fourth like it, you just you carry that weight with you of like who these people are well imagine they're the greatest ever <laughs> and they're public figures you know i'm watching succession right now and look at all the problems that oh, those yeah. kids have on the hbo and, show and, and their dad is there so imagine if if your dad basically because you you said he, he hadn't had a relationship with his dad right so like imagine having... you're seeing him on tv every day and everybody wants to talk to him everybody wants to talk to you about him and you're like, you know, I don't even know this dude like that, man. Yeah. And so, and, and Chad Johnson Jr. is maybe in kind of a similar situation. They have more of a relationship. But Chad Johnson Jr. is more comfortable leaning into it, right? Brendan Rice, not so much. Like, he just very recently uh, spent time with Jerry uh, Jr. for the first time out on his visit to Michigan. He just very recently, uh, you know, Jerry was in town to watch uh, Larry Fitzgerald um, uh, break one of his records or get closer to one of his records or something like that. Oh, and so while, he's got time to go watch Larry, Larry Fit Fitzgerald and honor Larry well, Fitzgerald, but then... Yeah, so, well, he used son, that though. to also swing by his son's game. So, like, he was already in town to do this other thing, so then he swung in. But, you know, I, you know, Brendan has a good family down here and everything like that, so he's he's fine, he's all good. But it's just like, just imagine the weight. And so but that's lame I've always been, to me, Ralph. Like, that's so lame yeah, to me that, uh, that like, uh, you didn't, you weren't, ooh, yep. that all of a sudden, that now that your son's a four-star recruit and and other people realize that this is your kid, now all of a sudden you, you look stupid, you're embarrassed. So now you're like, oh, yeah, I'm embracing now. If I were, if I were Brendan, I'd be like, yeah, nah, bro. Like, like, I... Like it, it, I would, it would take a lot yeah. of damn effort on your part, a lot of damn effort. And I don't know if I, I could ever trust a relationship. I will say this. I've been very protective of, of Brendan in his time down here and will continue to be because as somebody who didn't really have a really good relationship with my dad and always wanted a good one and fought for it. And now my dad is my best friend in the world. Like everybody wants their situation to, 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 you know, everyone wants to come out whole. 
And I'm sure he has the same mindset. Like the ideal thing for him would be for everything to be good, but he doesn't have control over any of that situation. So anyway, there's just all this weight on him, his last name. He has a chance to go build a new thing in Colorado. I think that that appeals to him. And Chad Johnson Jr. says, he comes out and tweets, steals the shine off the commitment immediately and says, competition be having dudes running for their lives. For their lives. Dude. For their lives. I wish he played DB right now. I wish one of them was a corner and one of them was a wide wide receiver. Because this would be an epic battle. Do uh do yeah. do, do uh, you want to tell or 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 not? Because if if so, I'll cut it out. If not, um, about Tyler Tyler Shug or no? Oh yeah yeah yeah. So like I mean it, it, it's I know it's it's so it's always been sort of a strange situation because Tyler Shuck was Brendan Rice's who is, quarterback. Who is who is now Oregon's backup quarterback who came from Arizona? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and and Tyler Shuck was originally I think committed to North Carolina. Uh, ASU was super late on offering him, but I think Tyler has family in Eugene going back to where like he had a relative help build the stadium or something. So he, he goes to Oregon, Tyler Shuck goes to Oregon and uh, he's actively recruiting Brendan Rice, you know, the, the whole time. Um, they're still really good friends. I thought that Oregon had a pretty good shot at Brendan the whole time, but Tyler was part of the whole elite 11 thing. And Elite 11 special guest that they brought out to ca- uh, catch passes from these quarterbacks was Jerry Rice. So Brendan so Brendan and Jerry didn't really have a relationship, but Brendan's high school quarterback was out in Washington throwing passes to his dad. Uh, and, that, I mean, they were just made for a kind of a really awkward um, all-around situation. But since that point, since – Brendan Rice's high school quarterback was out there throwing passes to Jerry. Jerry has been a little more present, and they've spoke. And Jerry will actually tweet about Brendan every once in a while. Um, and I tell you what, we Arizona, Arizona is filled with athletes like this because you know this is off season off season training place. This is spring training. There are a lot of kids of athletes in Arizona who aren't necessarily part of their uh, core family group. Yeah. Um, you know, we, I mean, there are uh, like, there are quite a few, um, you know, ASU has got a couple of them on their roster as well. Uh, in like Tyler Johnson, whose dad, you know, Bill Johnson played for the bills. You know, we got Gary Sheffield jr. Down here. We got a, we just, it's, it's a very common issue in Arizona because people come here for, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, unfortunately, this is, um, Dude, I dudes who don't take care of their kids because I'm I'm a we we have a blended family situation and on one and to to, to not get too you know off the beaten Pac Pac twelve path but I like okay so having a difficult situation with a baby mama child's mother or whatever would have whatever term you prefer. It's a difficult task because I was always a guy who wanted even a better relationship more and more and more, right? Tried, tried to make it work with their mom, all of this, and it didn't. And there were times, and my, my mind you, my kids are with me half the time at least, right? At least. So I am always, like, there were a couple times when they were younger that I wanted to, that I, that I thought about quitting. 
that I thought about, look, this is so difficult. Like it's like, I'm always having to take you to court. Like this is just so difficult. I understand that that's not the same situation for some of these other guys. Cause they just didn't even try. But, and, but now my relationship with them, I mean, cause if, if, if your kids are with you more than half the time, then it's totally different. And we have a great relationship, all of this. So it's on one on one hand, I get where sometimes people can quit because they're they feel weak in this situation, but also yeah, I they feel weak and powerless and don't know how to do it. But also on the other hand, I'm like, this is your kid. Like you have to fight for this. Like this should be important to you, and you have time to be like. And and my nephew is in the same situation. Like this kid, it was has is an is a great athlete. He is an actor. Like he was on Agents of Shield for a long time. He's been on commercial. Like if you've watched television, you see my nephew. And his dad lives within 10 miles of him probably. And has seen him all of 3 times since his 4th birthday probably and hasn't in a few years. And it's just lame. Like I just don't get it. Like and the kid's such a wonderful kid. I, I just yeah. and it makes me so angry because I actually my my best friend who passed away. Um, he was having uh he was he had a kid and they were kind of going through some stuff and then he kind of stopped fighting in this situation and didn't see him for a couple months and I was cool with his ex, like and he stopped and so it actually but I but our relationship changed when they b- broke up but at the same time it made me angry and me and my best friend stopped talking for a little, little bit. Cause I was like, listen, I don't respect that. Like I don't hang out with people yeah. that do this. So, you know, so, you know, so if, if, if you want help fixing it, I will help you. Cause I've been through this, but if you, that's not what you're going to do, then, you know, like we're cool, but we, we not cool like that. We're not going to be hanging out and all that. Yeah. And if, when I was growing up, Oh, I'm sorry. But when I was growing up, there's the two biggest villains in the entire world two biggest villains it, i mean it wasn't it it wasn't you know like a cartoon villain it wasn't shredder and ninja turtles there were two kinds of villains that you never ever wanted to become one was will smith's dad from fresh prince oh my god that was the greatest episode there was yeah you didn't want to be that dude he want right? me yep you never wanted to grow up to cause your son to have that kind of reaction like and then all the kids watching that who could identify with it, like that imprinted on them forever. The other thing that you never, ever wanted to be was Robin Williams in Hook, where you get so into your adult life that you forget not only what it was like to be a kid, but that at one point you were you were the kid, right? Yeah. Like th- those two things you never wanted to be. You never wanted to be a present father who wasn't actually present in spirit, and you never wanted to be an absentee father. Like those were the two biggest villains in the entire world. So it is really hard to to respect anybody who fell into either the trap of working so hard that they're never around their kids or just choosing not to be at all. Like those things are, those things are really, really hard to swallow. And like now that we're adults, you realize how personal family business is, but it is so, but it's still really hard for me to not like, call out some of these because i work around high school football players all the time to call out some of these dads because you know the and and i would much rather you be a dad who's in the stands yelling at the refs (laughs) you know which is also another kind of villain uh than 
than be one of those other two things for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, so we, we can move on to the, to the, to the next thing. Cause this is just, I mean, it, it makes my blood boil, but speaking <laughs> of my blood boiling though, uh, it is Husky week. It is Oregon versus Washington. And most people don't know because every, I mean, outside of the Pac-12, people have no idea how much bad blood flows in this rivalry. Like, it is one of the least civil in all of college football. You, people think that so So many times people ask me, oh, do you hate Oregon State? I'm like, nah, I don't hate Oregon State. Like, how can you hate somebody that's, like, kind of non-threatening to you? I mean, it's the, and, and, like, for the most part, they're cool, cool people. You're around them. You're in the state. Like, they, it's not that big of a deal. But on the, Do you feel like that's more insulting, though? Like, that feels more insulting. <laughs> I, 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 okay, so Oregon State fans hate Oregon more than Oregon hates Oregon State, if that makes sense. Yeah, I just I feel like, it, it, <laughs> it, you know, somebody just comes out with their chest puffed out, and you're just like, oh, that's cute. <laughs> like, that, it feels... That feels more insulting to me than actually engaging in the rivalry. Oh, well, I guess I I guess that is the case because I did say that they were non-threatening. So <laughs> um but but the Washington Oregon rivalry, like it is the least civil. And I tweeted out, I said, was it Kenny Wheaton's interception in '94 that started the hatred or something else? And then also the fact that the game should have a name. And I found out all sorts of history that I did not know that um, so that so at first Oregon and Oregon was not a very good football team. Not it was not a good sports team, all of this stuff. But then in the like 90 starting in 94, everything changed. So Washington used to destroy Oregon. And but in the last 24 meetings, I think. Uh, they've only won six and Oregon's won 18, including 12 in a row, 12 in a row. So Oregon's rolling. Washington even had a defeated season in there where they went completely. They didn't win one game. So you're sitting there like, uh, so that the rivalry grew like massively. And so I thought that that's when it started, but apparently no, that it started in 1948 that the schools began playing in 1900 but the but when 1948 when Oregon and Cal both went undefeated uh in the Pacific Coast Conference and then uh Washington voted to send Cal to the bowl game instead of Oregon so that was the first straw and then the second thing was when they broke up the Pacific Coast Conference Washington voted to break up the Pacific Coast Conference and then leave Oregon out of the new conference. So this is how this rivalry was born. This is where the hate started. But Ralph, shouldn't this game have a name? Like the Red River shootout or or showdown, whichever one is politically correct to you. You, you, you got the Georgia-Florida game, which is the greatest outdoor cocktail party in all the land, even though it's dry now. You have, you know, you have... We got the, the uh, we got we got our territorial cup down yeah. here. Yeah. So what like and I put it out on Twitter and I actually got some really good names and the two best names that I got. I mean, I got everything from they were like, oh, it's the border war. I was like, 
oh, that doesn't feel so great in 2019. That's a why border war is border war is Wyoming, Colorado State. You already got we already Wait, got I that. Thought you that can't, was you can't encroach no, there. Missouri, Kansas is called the border war. Okay, okay, I'll give them because they're they're power five. But <laughs> I grew up with because they're forty miles apart. So. I grew up with uh, Laramie and uh, and Fort Collins being the border war, but so no, I don't think it should be anything that anybody already has. It should have its yeah. own. Name. So some of the names that I got were the Battle of I five, the Northwest Territory Cup, the Forest Forestry okay. Cup. I got the um, hmm. I got a, a the Cascade Clash. And then you had all type type of people hating. Oh, it's the No One Cares Bowl. And but out of all like the 50 or so names I got, the two best ones I got were a the Cannabis Cup. (laughs) And the Corporations Cup. I like the Corporations Cup because you got Nike, Starbucks, Microsoft, Costco, Boeing. It'd be it'd be good to have the Corporations Cup. Yeah, yeah, I guess uh, I'm sure you'd have some pushback from you know, all of Portland Antifa or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, you never really, I'm sure you got some enough anarchists up there that would hate that. But I, I, I don't know. I just, uh, I, I like the idea of like, uh, of it being nameless. Um, as long as that's the name, if you have to, if you have the ability to trademark that, in some yeah. way, or like just the rivalry without a name, or or something along those lines, or the or call it the grunge match instead of grudge match because of Seattle. Oh yeah, yeah. But the problem is, is that this rivalry is so nasty that that the people couldn't even agree on a name. Now they would they yeah. they would be mad if they thought it came from the from the other school and then not acknowledge it. Um, I just read a story though, Ralph. As we're doing this po- podcast. It's a tragic story and it's a crazy story, but I like this. I want Pac-12 fans to be more like this, okay? Alabama fan called in a bomb threat. He got arrested for calling in a bomb threat to LSU. <laughs> oh my god. And my mind you, uh, uh Alabama Auburn fans, one of them killed a tree. Yes. No, 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 no. Yeah, the Alabama no. fan killed killed the uh the big huge oldest tree I think in in the, in the state because it was uh on Alabama's campus. And I liked it like this is what Pac-12 fans need. This sort of crazy fanaticism, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean there there are there are certain things that I think that would be a pretty good try. I mean, I think it'd be funny for um, you know, USC, UCLA, just because there's always tickets available. I think it'd be really funny for the opposing team to just pack the stadium out or whatever. But uh, there, there are certain things, you know, ASU, U of A is, is, is very, very nasty and like super aggressive. And that, that makes me wonder if I, I would love to put those two next to each other. And I think that one is probably more relevant because either Washington or Oregon is usually, you know, in competition for a conference championship. And so I think the relevance is there. But just as far as, like, overall dickishness, 
you know, I, I feel like ASU versus U of A would give it a run for its money because it's not, I mean, there's no, it's just like gone in 60 seconds speed of like going from, Hey, good morning to go F yourself. Like, <laughs> and so well, I, I don't know. I, 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 I would be really, really interested to hear from the listeners to of uh, this podcast what they think the nastiest rivalry in the Pac-12 is, and if we have done a good enough job of sort of forcing the whole Utah-Colorado thing to happen. Because I know that Colorado doesn't necessarily have like an in-conference rival, so we've always just like said, hey, we'll make it Utah. I, I just, I, I'd love to hear from them. Because I know Utah-ASU, Utah, Utah fans and ASU fans are very, especially on game week, they're so nasty to each other. I woke up yesterday morning and I just tweeted a bunch of photos of like Eno Benjamin on his visit to Utah. And like anytime anyone mentioned that like Utah's getting Jaden Daniels, he's definitely going to commit. I retweeted every single one of those tweets just to see people fight in my mentions. And, um, and, and but that feels very reserved to the one week that they play. Um, I, I I think it really does probably come down to to Oregon, Washington, which has the relevance because of one is always good, or or ASU U of A, where you know people are fist fighting in the streets and whatnot. So Dude. I don't know. I, I I wish that we had more rivalries in the Pac twelve. Yeah. Like I, I I don't know about calling in bomb threats or whatever, but uh, I I definitely wish that there were that Cal you know Cal Cal Stanford. You know, it's like the intellectual it seems, rivalry. Yeah, yeah, it seems it seems too too tame. But UCLA USC is very heated too. I do not want to dismiss that. Yeah, it is heat. Like it's heated to the point where it's like I don't know, like what, like what, like you you pull up next to somebody on the street and you you know you both have your convertible top down and you see that someone's got a USC shirt on so that you pull your top up. I don't like. I don't okay. see the nastiness, oh, and I don't. On. All right, so let me let me tell you how crazy this rivalry is. Rodney Pete, right? Rodney yes. Pete, uh, who played at US USC. He's married to Holly Robinson Pete. He's an Arizona boy too, Alhambra High School. Yeah, so he was going to. So they had their second or third baby being being due. Um, they were somewhere in they were somewhere in LA and she goes into labor but like not like labor not you know starting labor this is like no babies get ready to come labor and so they took her to UCLA hospital which is a really good hospital all this Rodney goes how long do we have before the baby comes they were like, uh, maybe an hour or so. He was like, good, because we have time to leave this hospital and go to Cedar Sinai, which is like twenty oh minutes away. Oh my god! Because my <laughs> kid will not be born in this day in a UCLA hospital, even though his kid had attended camp at UCLA before. Like, it, oh he, man, he, that's he was amazing. Like, or, or, or taking a class at UCLA, but no, he would not have a kid born at UCLA hospital. And my wife went to UCLA, and she doesn't fool with anything USC. Like she That's would, amazing. No, it's a lot more heated than people realize. And you either on the one side of the fence or the or the other. Like I've had people be like, no, 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 you can't come come around here with that shirt on, dude. 
Well, if he if he really did jump from hospital to hospital, then he probably wouldn't appreciate the fact that on this podcast I just told him that he went to the wrong high school in Arizona. He's an amphitheater kid, not a not an Alhambra kid. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, let, let's break down the games, Ralph. Uh, let's. Do this. <laughs> we can start with UCLA Stanford. So you have two teams that are. You know, that looked to be not having a good season, but Stanford bounced back in a major way versus Washington. And you got UCLA, whose offense is significantly better. Over the last three games, they're averaging, I think, over like 513 yards a game versus 260 in the first three games. I mean, Stanford's got to choose who they're going to have at quarterback, KJ Costello, or whether they're going to stick with the kid, Davis Mills, who clearly seems to be outplaying him. I Is it as clear? I feel like I hear you say that it's clear. I hear Woody Womack say that it's clear. To me, it's not, it's not as cut and dry as that. I didn't feel like in, in, maybe it was just that KJ Costello was banged up. You know, he took that enormous hit that no one ever got in trouble for. And, and, you know, maybe he's just been a little loopy, but I felt like his play was the exact, I feel like it's the exact same. I f- well, and so maybe, maybe, well, you know, Herm Edwards before winning, the season so about different. ASU said that, yeah, yeah, yes, you are, you are correct. And, but I remember before the season, Herm Edwards said like, if a younger quarterback is playing the same as an older quarterback, what reason do you have to stick with the older quarterback? So I get that. You know, the most popular guy on the team is is usually the backup quarterback. Um, but I don't feel like KJ Costello's done anything to really lose the job. I think you give him one more. No way, shot dude. It at- is time to turn the page. I mean, it it is. I agree with Woody Womack on the last podcast. It's time for like uh, a kid a kid from Stanford is the only school is the only Power Five school that's never had a kid in the transfer portal portal. And there's a reason why because they really want a Stanford education. But if you're K- KJ Costello, maybe you go to Northwestern. Maybe you go to Duke. I mean, get it, get a good education somewhere else. Because yeah. this is just not. I mean, like Cameron Scarlett, who couldn't run run the football while while KJ Costello was in. All of a sudden, now he's having hundred yard games. I mean, I I don't think it's all tied to Davis Mills, but I think that you have to give that some sort of you know, like that's possible that that adds to it i mean it's also possible at this point in time that that jack west is the quarterback against ucla if jack west is the quarterback against ucla do you think that the bruins have a chance to win i think the bruins have a chance to win with davis mills at quarterback oh what (laughs) what (laughs) yes this is the same thing that ucla did at the end of last last year they they came out terrible. They started out 0-5. This year, their offense is actually better. It's their defense that has people turn it, turn it down tackles and all of that. UCLA had a bye week, so Dorian Thompson-Robinson should be back. And, like, they – like, this team has to be getting better. I, I just – like my mind will just not allow me to like I see the evidence, so I've given up on the fact that even though they're mathematically still alive for the Pac-12 South, that they're not going to win. But like Stanford has not been playing great football, and even though they had a bye week, they're prideful. They uh, David Shaw does a great job with his team in terms of pre- preparation and 
and fixing things, apparently, because things were going off the rails this season. I think that you know, Stanford's favored by seven points, but I'm I'm looking at this game like this game could really go either way. I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> you're saying it like I'm a crazy person. I mean, I, you're saying it's just like last year, but they have yet to show that they're progressing yet. And so, I mean, it could be like last year if they do something, but they haven't yet. Um, I, I Henry Haddis is out for the season for for Stanford. And that is one of my favorite offensive linemen in the entire Pac-12. So that's that's rough for them. But I, I feel like even with a young offensive line, even with Jack West at quarterback, they're just going to run straight at UCLA's defense. And UCLA's not going to be able to what do is anything true? about it. Now, now, if you, and now, when you add that part into it, because UCLA's defense is Swiss cheese, dude. Like, they are, they are terrible. I mean... I don't think that people really understand how bad this defense is. They're giving up 40 points a game. They can't stop the run. They can't stop the pass. And most importantly, you have so many of their players who in their secondary who seemingly turn down tackles. Like they yeah. like like they see like you um I hear Jer- like if you follow Gerald Alexander, the coach for the DB coach for Cal, he always talks about two things: patience, not panic, when the ball's in the air, and that that good DBs have patience instead of panic, and then knock ball- balls away instead of getting pass interference calls. And the other thing he ta- talks about is having contact courage, and these guys as a whole don't have a whole lot of contact courage. And I, I mean, they're already thin on the offensive side of the ball. And Theo Howard announced that he was leaving in the middle of the season. So, I mean, I don't know. I just don't, I don't see things going very well for UCLA right now. I, I, they're, it's Demetric Felton and versus everybody is what it looks like to me. Yeah, but doesn't he, so he's leading the conference in total yards per game. It was like 147 or something like yeah. like that. And but the problem is he seemingly is on the sideline so much. Like wouldn't you like 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 I feel like he should be more like Christian McCaffrey was at Stanford, where he's your greatest offensive weapon. He's I think he's got four touchdowns over 75 yards this year. Like he should be getting 20, 25 touches a game minimum. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if I I think that. I don't know if it translates. I think that if you produce because you're like a special package player, because you're the secret weapon, then if you get put into the role of the every down player, then, you know, does that take away what you were doing when you were brought in in these different packages? Um, you know, maybe now would be the time to test it out to, to see, but I don't think that it always translates to like, Hey, you know, we we find places to get him in and to exploit mismatches. Therefore, he should be out for every single play. You know, I, I think that USC has shown for a really long time that you get these really, really talented players and it's okay to only play them, you know, 20 to 25 snaps because when you're inserting them is when the time that they're going to shine most. And so, um, I don't know. I, I may have, well, I, at this point, why not? 
Why not? Yeah, I I, I get it. And ah, man, like so so, who are you picking in this game, Ralph? Stanford. <laughs> I uh, even even with if it's Jack West, um, it it's got to be Stanford, right? I mean, you can't. Yeah, I, I, what, why? What reason would I have to pick UCLA? What? Okay, they show so, me anything. So I'm telling you now. So what are what 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 is our record over the last three weeks in picking games? Uh, you are six and eight, and I am thirteen and one. Okay, so f- first thing is you're kind of weird to me sometimes, Ralph, because you're kind of savage on Twitter, especially because like you like you are here for the fight. Yes. And it's funny because you're like, you like teach Sunday school. You're such a nice guy. You respect <laughs> people's feelings, thoughts, and all of that stuff. But then on the other hand is like, I love the du- the duality where you're kind of savage, but then you're 13 and one, I'm six and eight, and you don't want to spike the, spike the football. It's weird to me because I would be spiking the football on your head. This is what happens when you win though. And then I turn into Marty Schottenheimer and I'm just trying to. I'm I'm just trying to hold on to the lead. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, because it could go left at any moment. Because yeah. I started out hot, boy. I started out hot, and then I had a week where I went completely <laughs> over. But this this week, because I must catch up, I'm picking UCLA. Okay. okay. And, and I, I mean, it could happen. It could happen. There's If, if Stanford doesn't get up in the first quarter, uh, and they're not up at halftime, you know, can they even play catch up? We don't know. Yep. Um, okay, Oregon State Cal. I okay, so I thought that Oregon State was gonna be able foolishly, I thought Oregon State was gonna be able to um, you know, kind of hang with Utah a little bit in terms only because they were playing at home. They had just had a really good victory yeah. against UCLA. Confidence was up there, and me and you had raved about how their offense was. You know, Hodgins, uh, Lutton, uh, you know, and the two running backs, they have been able to put up 28 points on every single team. And then they play against uh, Utah and just get destroyed. I mean, just absolutely just taken behind the woodshed. So, and Cal's defense is probably more smothering than Utah's defense. So, I give a book. Provided Monster actually can move the ball as Cal's quarterback and he's not a turnover machine, I, I don't see how Oregon State can win win this game. Cal, Cal is only averaging 20 points a game and they're favored by 10 and a half points. This lets you know everything we need to know. I got Cal. Yes, and I, I would like to see one thing from Cal in this game that they don't typically uh, exhibit in in their games, and that's tempo. Uh, I think that you can absolutely destroy Oregon State with tempo. I think that if you go out there and you try to be methodical, then it, you give somebody like Hamilcar Rashad a chance to get into your backfield. Um, the thing that I'm most excited, I, I cannot wait to watch this game because Isaiah Hodgins has had success against everybody Um and so has Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona yep. State. Well, guess what? Brandon Ayuk couldn't get off against Cal. 
And and I'm really curious if Hodgins will have the, the ability. Is no, because honestly, the answer is no. I would nobody, be. I'd be nobody impressed. Nobody goes off on Cal. Like everybody has their statistical worst games of the season against Cal. What would impress you? What would impress you? Because last week he had uh, against Utah, which is a very good secondary as well. Last week against Utah, Hodgins was seven for seventy at the half and finished with like eight yeah, catches. Yeah, he didn't. He, so didn't, he what, didn't play a whole lot. What would impress you? What would impress you? It, what what like what's the minimum he could do against Cal for you to say like, oh, Hodgins had a really that, good game. That eight eight for seventy. Yeah, eight catches. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I I fully agree. I think if he. I mean, 80, 80 yards receiving is actually pretty good if, like, over the course of a season, get you a thousand yard season. Um, but I, yeah, I would be very, if he can get to 80 yards receiving, then that'll just be one more tick in the box of, like, Isaiah Hodgins is. Yeah. Early. Yeah. I don't think there's any doubt at this point, point in time. But, I mean, they got absolutely shut down. And the crazy part about this is, is that even though you have all these quarterbacks, all these quarterbacks in the Pac-12, Pac and you have all these players with interceptions, you have um, uh, so many quarterbacks in the conference that have not thrown an interception, that have not thrown or, or have only thrown one in- interception. You got Tyler Huntley, uh, Slovis, Gordon, Herbert, Eason, and Montez all completing at least 65% of their passes. You got... Tyler Huntley, who has not thrown an interception, Jake Lutton from Oregon State, Justin Herbert, Jaden Daniels, and Davis Mills have all at least attempted 100 passes and have only thrown one interception. Like, how is this possible? But That's amazing. But amazing. four Pac-12 defenses are still amongst the top 11 nationally in interceptions. How does this even make sense? Yeah. <laughs> that's got to change as the season goes on, right? Like something has to give there. Either some quarterbacks are going to start throwing picks or those numbers or the Pac-12 is just going to drop out of that completely as everybody else throws picks. Um, I, that's the, the the biggest theme of this whole season for me has been the amount of quarterbacks that have played and still how efficient they've been. I, yeah, that is so yeah, cool. There have been – what? How, how many quarterbacks have played? There have been – 18 yeah yeah it was at least 18, so it was 18 different quarterbacks have played this season but it's not even the same amount as last year 20 different quarterbacks started during the 2018 season hmm. it felt yeah. felt like a lot a, a lot more um i'm excited to see how cal does if they can coach monster up because he didn't look ready but they had a bye week that might be the best thing that happened to them um Okay, so we got Colorado versus the Mike Leeches. Colorado, uh, Washington State is favored by 12 and a half points. Who you got in this game? Yeah. Um, that that betting line's got to be reactionary, right? Like they they're it's gotta be based off of what happened with Oregon. It really it really feels like that line is um looking at a what like a 42 point loss and saying i it just it doesn't it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because i think these two teams match up really well um i think it'll be a shootout i think that it will be close 
Washington State has done absolutely nothing to show you that they can play defense at all. Colorado's sort of in the same boat. Um, they both played Arizona State and to similar results on the scoreboard at the end of the game. You know, obviously one was a loss, one was a win. Um, but I think that this game will be close. So I think that line is ridiculous. Um, and I think uh, the wheels are falling off for Washington State right now. I, I'm probably going to regret this. Oh, you are definitely going to regret this. Like my, my, I don't like where Washington state is headed. They're headed in the wrong direction with their coach, all of this stuff. Leach is tripping, but their offense is still, is still putting up a whopping 43 points a game. And they're throwing for 538 yards a game. Where on the other side you have uh, Colorado's pass defense is giving up the tenth most in the conference in three hundred and seven yards a game. So if they're giving up three hundred and seven yards a game, the only two teams that are worse are Arizona and UCLA. So how, I mean, I, I just don't see if they already can't stop the pass, and then you add Washington State in, who's going to do nothing but pass because they're last in the conference in rushing. How are they supposed to stop them? Yeah. Okay. I've never done this before, but I'm going to, I'm going to. Oh, no, no, Ralph, Ralph, keep, keep Colorado, please. Uh, I need a win. Okay. (laughs) So you need us to be on opposite sides. All right. No, uh, no, 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 no. I want you to pick whoever you think is going to win. No, I'm just thinking about the fact that, like, that, that I, I was, I was figuring in that Colorado could keep up offensively, but then the way you talk about it makes me feel like Washington State's not even going to punt. They may not. I would be surprised. I mean, it's going to take some drops or some inaccurate throws from Anthony Gordon, but he's completing like 70% of his passes. So I'm not sure that that's really gonna, gonna happen. He's completing 71.3% of his passes right, right now for 2,612 yards, 25 touchdowns and six picks. I'm going to stick with Colorado. I'm thinking back to that Houston game and, uh, and how unnecessarily that that was. Yeah, that Washington State-Houston game. Yeah, that was unnecessarily close, and Houston stinks. And I still – They stink out loud. The one thing that Washington is absolutely – and I told you this before the ASU game, is Washington State cannot handle mobile quarterbacks. And while Colorado does not have that per se, LaVisca Chenault is finally 100%, and they do use him out of the Wildcat quite a bit. So they're going to see some offensive looks that they're not necessarily used to. Um, I'll stick with Colorado. What the hell? Okay, cool, cool. I'll I'll take it. Another win in the books for your boy. Um, <laughs> Arizona USC. You got USC favored by ten points. Um, we don't know who Arizona's quarterback is going to be because we both think that it's time to give up on Khalil Tate. Not because he may yep. not be the better option, but because like. I wrote in the Pac-12 power rankings on unafraidshow.com. Make sure you go. Um, about 
how color i don't know what the identity of this arizona team is like do they want to be a a spread option team or do they want to be uh or do they want to have grant ganell in and throw the ball 50 times a game yep they want that that's what they want uh and it's what the fans want now um university of arizona fans supporters are now all in fighting about what to do with Khalil Tate. They are all ready to move on. He's always sort of been aloof uh, personality-wise. He's been more appealing to the nation as a whole than he has been to actual University of Arizona fans. Um, It's just natural after a loss to want to see what the backup quarterback can do. And he's looked good in the three games that he's played. And if you get to the point where he plays in his fifth game, then he, you know, you're, he's not going to be red shirting at all. And so, you know, it's, it's really decision time. The one defense that I've seen of wanting Khalil Tate to play against USC is that like, this game is incredibly important to, to Khalil Tate. Like this game's yes. at USC, correct? Okay. So I don't think Khalil Tate got to play in this game uh, last time. I think he was hurt. And playing in L.A. against USC is a dream of his. Like, he has wanted to show out at the Coliseum forever. And USC recruited him, I believe, as an athlete, not a quarterback. So, uh, which I think you support. Um, But... So I think that I think that a lot of University of Arizona fans are saying like, hey, you know, let him play this game and then let's move on. Um, And uh, it's weird. What a weird, like sentimental thing, you know, like let's throw him this bone for everything he did for us and let's move on to the backup quarterback and get started with the Noel Mazzoni offense that, you know, Kevin Sumlin wants to be running. And uh, I don't understand that. Like, why? Why, why, why? Like, just just make a decision yeah. and move on. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And this is what Arizona is right now. I don't trust him. I don't trust him to win this game. I, I, I like USC. I think Slovis has a good game. And Arizona's, we just talked about their pass defense as it related to Colorado's. They have the second-worst pass defense in the Pac-12. So guess what uh, Tate uh, – I don't mean Tate. Uh, I'm on Ross St. Brown. Pittman and Vons are going to do to this Arizona sec- secondary. This will be 50 points on the board for you. Yeah, USC. it's going to be pretty brutal. Um, I, 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 honestly, George, I want to see it. I want to see Khalil Tate play in LA against again. Of course you do. Khalil, he's Khalil Tate, but I'm done. But also, like I've said, I'm done. I'm done with him being at U of A. Um, and so maybe this gives them the re- the. Maybe this gives them the final thing because if he doesn't play well, it's got to be over, right? It, it, I, I guess I don't know what they're doing. So I, I, I no it's idea. time you, you and I agree. You, it's time to move on and to run the offense that they, they're yep. the coaching staff. Like as much as it hurts uh, to do that, and maybe Khalil Tate will do what their other two quarterbacks have done and move to a different position. You know, they've got they've got Jamari Joiner at receiver. Um, they got Drew Dixon at receiver. Both of those guys were. Uh, he's not changing positions. He's a he's a guy that believes he's a quarterback. Despite so, what's not he gonna what's he gonna do? Pout? What's if he gonna I mean, do? Sit out the entire season because he can't transfer now. He can't redshirt. 
what's he going to do? So if he wants to get on the field, I have no idea. And I think you're right at the NFL level. I think he's probably going to have to be something different. I mean, cause he's got like a Lamar Jackson skill set, but he doesn't have Lamar Jackson's mental constitution. Like what do the kids say? Like yeah. Lamar Jackson wants all the smoke. I'm not sure Khalil Tate does. And so I, I don't know. Exactly. I'm I'm split on it. I would love He doesn't even want to run. He yeah, doesn't even want right. to run. And Lamar Jackson just ran for 150 yards last last week. I wouldn't be surprised so, if he play, I want to see him play in LA. I wouldn't be surprised if he plays well. If he plays well, it will probably screw up U of A even more because then they have another week of delaying the inevitable. Um then yep. then again, what if U of A wins? Because Clay Hilton doesn't know what he's doing. You know, that this is a game that that uh, USC, <laughs> the last time USC had to face Khalil Tate, Khalil Tate had a monster game. And Clay Helton, you know, was out there comforting uh, Khalil Tate at the end of the game after USC ended up pulling off a win. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm, this is a game, of all the games, this is the game I'm most excited to watch just because. What? Not, Are you kidding? You yeah. have Oregon, Washington, and Arizona State, Utah, which we're going to talk about, but you're excited about the U of A, USC game? Yeah, because all of the all of the ingredients are there for all the stuff that we've been talking about to come to fruition. This could be the first oh, time. Oh, because Clay Helton could get fired after this game. If, he, they, okay. if they lose this, yeah. this game, he's, yep. he could be out. A, you, so, like Lane Kiffin, except there won't be a tarmac. Khalil Tate's job is on the line. Clay Helton's job is on the line. Uh, we, could, we could see USC's receivers actually do what they're capable of. In this game, I've got goosebumps just talking about it right now. Like, what if they have three different receivers over 150 yards? <laughs> like, that's you know, I, I and and then and then you know the the possibility, the outside possibility exists that Khalil Tate has one more bullet left in the chamber. And as as crazy as it would be for that program to have to deal with uh, with you know not moving on to Grant Gannell, um, you know when they when they probably should be. It would be pretty cool to see Khalil Tate go out there, throw for 300, run for 200, and just put together one last final, you know, go it's, go take it's a bow. Not, it's, it's not happening, brother. It's not it's not happening. Uh, the next game up, the most controversial game of the weekend, Arizona State and Utah. Not anything controversial about the game itself. It's the fact that this game is on the damn Pac-12 network. <laughs> it's a top – it's a 17th ranked team versus a 13th ranked team. This is craziness. And I get that the Pac-12 wanted to, uh, that if you have choice of games, that this was the optimal game to choose because uh, ESPN took the Washington-Oregon game because they're name brand teams. But Utah consistently gets on the Pac-12 network. This is so silly, especially when it comes to New York New Year's Six Bowl game selection where you saw Washington State get left out last year, and now you may have a, a situation if for some reason Oregon gets in the playoffs or goes to the Rose, Rose Bowl, you can have an at-large bid on the case, and the, na- the nation will not get to see it because only 17 million people have access to Pac-12 Network, where 80 million people to ESPN2. Yep. <laughs> I couldn't say it any better. I was thinking about going out to Salt Lake. Probably not going to do it. Um, I am one of the 17 million people that does have access to Pac-12 Network, even though my Roku TV only uh, only plays anything on Sling for about 35 minutes before it reboots. And so, 
it's so frustrating to just be able to find a place to be able to watch a Pac-12 game and not have an, not have an issue. Um, so you can't I'm, even go out to eat with your family and watch a Pac-12 no, game. No, because there is no like definitive list of these places have. I remember once uh, I, I was um, in Colorado and I was just driving around looking for a place that had Pac-12 network. And I found someone had made a list of like three restaurants that all had it. And I went to all three restaurants and all three were closed, like had been shut down. And so I, I ended up listening to that, whatever that game that was on, on the radio. Um, and so it's just, it, it's such a mess. Uh, it, this would have been much better to have a national audience. You know, I'm sure that even though people are saying that college game day wouldn't have taken something like this into account. I'm sure that they looked at this and said, like, nobody's going to be able to watch this game anyway. Why go out to Salt Lake City? Um, oh, 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 I think that game day would have probably chosen Washington, Oregon prior. I mean, that that yeah. I think that 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 was the third choice. Uh, I think that, yeah, uh, it, this it's very frustrating. Not a lot of people are going to get to see the game. So uh, make sure you listen to the Pac-12 Apostles podcast. We'll have quite the recap for you. Um, on our on our Monday show for everybody who was not able to watch, uh, what do you what do you think is going to happen in this game, George? Okay, I'm offended by this line. It makes no sense. Utah is favored by 14 points. Yeah, like have you seen Arizona State play? They don't. That's not good. Like like people are. I guess the odds makers and the betters are all confused because. Washington State plays a completely different style from era uh from yeah Washington State plays a different style than Utah. Utah is going to run the football, kind of play action, dink and dunk, like and they're not going to be hitting home runs or throwing the ball 60 times a game like Washington State did to pile up all those yards on Arizona State and all those points. So Arizona State hadn't allowed that type of offensive production all season. So, and Utah's offense, like I've been saying it all year, Tyler Huntley is going to have to be special in in at least three games down the stretch for them to get to the Pac-12 championship. Special, not just game manager, not just okay. He's going to have to show up special. And don't tell me about the the other game when he went for uh, against, uh, who, who was that against that he had a crazy uh a crazy game. Oh, uh, against U.S. Washington was, State. Yes, yes, against Washington oh, no. State, where he had that crazy game. I'm like, don't, don't, don't give me that. Don't give me that. And Herm Edwards teams don't get blown out. They lose sometimes, and, but it and, is yeah. They don't blow yeah. people out either. Yeah. So expect. I. I. This is an easy. If I were betting on this game, I would. Oh my God. I. I would. I don't know how – I mean, th- this would be a huge Arizona take for 14 – getting 14 points? Are you kidding me? This is insane. So here's – do you know who Herm Edwards did blow out? Who? Utah, last year. Utah. Bro, I – Like, they I, – I tweeted this. I said that, like, Arizona State doesn't even know how to lose by more than four or win by more than four, except for the time that they smacked Utah with a sock full of nickels in oh, Sun Devil Stadium last year. So, no. like, I, I, the, this line is and, – and then I had people in my mention saying, well, like, well, this is more about, like, algorithm and making sure the money's split evenly. You don't think the money's going to be 85-15 Arizona State? Oh, for sure. Like Everybody 14. has access to this same information. That Like, 
the the line like they are risking a bunch of money on this line. A good line for this game, a good line where it would have been split even 50-50 on each side eight point. and you could at least just yeah, or tell you six anywhere between six and a half and eight and a half. Fourteen, all the money is going to be on ASU. So unless they know something that nobody else knows, uh, or unless Arizona State all of the sudden uh, is not themselves, um, I don't know. I just wh- who where's the money that's coming in on the Utah side? It, where would it not, even be coming from? It's not. That's a sucker bet. Um, who are you picking in the game? I am going to roll with the hot hand um, and and uh, go with the, the kid that uh, – I'm going to go with the kid that Utah thought that they were going to get and didn't. So I'm rolling with Jaden Daniels in this game until he shows me otherwise uh, that he can be rattled in any way. Um, the Arizona State defense last year probably played their best game against Utah, and I know that they knocked Tyler Huntley out of the game, but he, he didn't look super great before that either. Um, Tyler Huntley is a guy who has to kind of go over the top to, um, to produce in the passing game, and ASU, that's usually not the thing that ASU gives up in the passing yeah. game. And, and ASU does run a 3-3-5, um, so you can run the ball up the middle over and over and over against them if you want to kind of bleed the clock a little bit. But they also have the ability to kind of switch to a heavy front, and they've got you know decent enough linebackers to um, to, to to dissuade you from that, which we saw when ASU played Utah last year. So I just I'm going off of recent results um, in their head-to-head matchup last year, and I'm also and historically ASU has just owned Utah. I think there's something like nine or ten and one, or nine or ten and two in the last you know twelve meetings. Um, and I just, I, I look at Jaden Daniels and I'm like, wait, give me a reason to pick against you. Yeah. I, you know, I totally and, agree. I totally agree. And then, Eno Eno Benjamin has been talking trash with Utah fans for eight months on Twitter. Utah fans are wild on online. And, uh, I think that, you know, this is a, a chance for Eno to show them one last time what they missed out when he didn't commit to Utah after decommitting from Iowa. Dude, I totally agree with you there. I am, I am in the same boat. I'm picking Washington state as well, especially with these, with these damn points. Arizona, Arizona. Oh state. yeah. Oh geez. I, I'm not picking. Well, yeah, well I picked Washington state too, but I'm picking Arizona state. Uh, at, at Rice Eccles is a big time home field advantage, but not no damn 14 points. I'll tell you that much. Um, last game. Oregon, Washington, in Seattle. I'm looking at the AccuWeather. It looks like it could be a little bit of rain, which may affect the game, which I think would actually help Oregon out a little bit. What's the deal with the pro football focus thing that came out that has Jacob Eason rated higher than uh, Dude, Justin it, Herbert? It, it, it's also got Jalen Hurts rated higher than than him as well. Dude, I, the, the pro football focus thing is based upon their college offenses and on target throw. Like there's a lot of stuff that factors into it that doesn't necessarily give you a ranking of who is the best in terms of NFL potential. So, yeah. So you have to take some of those things with a grain of salt, dude. Like, because we we've all watched Jacob Eason not play well against Cal, not play well against uh, USC, and not play well against Stanford. Like we we watched it, so we don't have to, you know, act like it's something else. Oregon's favored by three points. If they were playing in Eugene, this would probably be a ten point line. Who you got, Ralph? I like Washington. 
Oh, you're an idiot. I'm, you're an dude, idiot. Of course I'm kidding. Of course I'm kidding. Oh. There's no oh. way in hell. <laughs> <laughs> no way, man. No way. Like, what, what all Oregon has done is dominate on the defensive side of the ball. And all, like, there's, there's no way if, and, and I, I, you know how I feel about uh, Jacob Eason and, and this Washington team, uh, they looked so disorganized in the first half against Arizona and they were able to get it back together, but you got to put a, a complete game together if you want to beat Oregon. And I know that in some rivalries you can throw stuff out the window, but I don't, not this year. I don't think so. Um, yeah. Because Jacob Eason has struggled against good defenses and Oregon's the best defense in the Pac-12 this year. They're giving up eight points a game. They haven't given up over 300 yards of offense in five games. I'm looking for this. I want a Thomas Graham game. I want like a, I want like a, this is what they show when he gets drafted, you know, the highlights of this game or what he shows. So I'm, I want to see, I want to see Thomas Graham because I've actually seen Jacob Eason and Thomas Graham all, like on the same, you know, out at like seven on seven stuff in California when Eason would travel down. Um, you know, I, I want to see Thomas Graham go and get his. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of him. Um, and uh, the, that's the guy that I'm pinpointing to, to make a play on the defensive side of the football. Uh, offensively, I think your boys might struggle a little, but I, I don't think in the end it's going to matter all that much. Yeah, I don't, I don't see them putting up 50 points or something, but un, unless they get a few turnovers, which which could happen. But uh, aside from that, I see this as like a 28-18 game, maybe 23-13, somewhere in there. <clears throat> um, yeah, that's kind of where I see this game. I mean, last year came down to a field goal, missed field goal, and then overtime, Oregon won on C.J. Burdell run in. Oregon's running the ball better now. I think this team is just on a mission, and I, I don't, I just don't see them losing this game. Um, oh, and then obviously you have like th- this is a big recruiting game. Yeah, because. You're going to have so many Washington recruits there, guys who are on the fence from going to Oregon, Washington, because they're both recruiting very heavily. They're both in the top, I think, 14 in recruiting classes this year. And it is just going to be a, it is going to be a emotional bloodbath. But I don't think the score is close. Like, I don't think that this, the game is closely, as closely contested as the, um, as as everything kind of led as people wanted yeah. to be. So what you're saying? You're saying about a ten point margin? Yeah. I'll yeah I'll I'll say between 10, 10 and twelve. It, it makes sense to me. Ten and twelve point Oregon win, but it doesn't. But it feels more like Washington is you know grasping at straws a little bit. I I and I I think that it's just a matter of one team. One team is currently better than another team. Yeah, I'm, and that's. You know, I sure like nonsense comes with rivalry sometimes, but I, I, I don't think that Washington, the one thing that they haven't shown me yet this year is the capability to like innovate beyond their own limitations. Um, that they should not have been down to Arizona at the half after Khalil Tate threw them a touchdown pass. Yeah, exactly. I 100% agree. You guys, thank you guys for listening to the Pac-12 Apostles podcast. We appreciate your time, energy, share the podcast, tell a friend about the podcast. Peace out. We will catch you guys later.